Welcome to the Think Like a Champion podcast, the podcast where we reveal the mental strategies of elite performers so you can apply them to your own life and raise your game. I'm your host, Harry Wilson, with co-host Russell Wilson on this episode of Think Like a Champion. I'm joined by author Deepak Chopra. And Deepak has written a number of best-selling books, but his most famous is probably The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success. Today, this powerful thought leader is going to talk to us a little bit about spiritual success. Deepak, thanks for joining. I'm excited for our conversation today. Hey, Deepak. Hi, hi, both of you guys. I'm very happy to be on your show. We're excited to have you, Deepak. You've expressed so many great teachings over the years. When talking about spiritual success, one lesson that's resonated with me is this idea of detachment in relation to our experience. Can you elaborate a little bit more on how detachment can give us more freedom in our lives? I can, but since this is a program about body, mind, and spirit, I'd like to start with definitions. If you have a little time, I'd like to explain to you what the mind is, what the body is, and what the spirit is, and then we can go into, if you want, peak performance and ultimately what we call peak living. I love it. That sounds like the right plan. That sounds like the right plan, baby. I like it. Okay. The body is not an anatomical structure. So, you know, when I went to medical school, the first thing you see is a dead body, and that model lives with you. But as you know, being an athlete, that the body is not a constant physical anatomical structure. It's changing every moment. Every moment, your body is an activity. And if you could see the body as it really is, you would see in a 24-hour period, it goes through immense changes. Your physical body recycles once a year. So at the level of atoms and molecules, you make a new stomach lining every five days. You make a new skin once a month. You make a new skeleton every three months. But the body itself is not a noun. It's a verb. And at the end of one year, you've recycled 98% of all the atoms in your body. So your my 2021 model is totally different uh, from my 2020 body. If you understand that the body is a verb and not a noun, then you ask yourself, how do I influence this activity, which I call my body, because it's an activity. So what is the body made of? The body is made of energy, it's made of information, but it's also a modified perceptual activity in consciousness. Once we know that the body is actually a perceptual activity in our awareness, and it is influenced by eating, breathing, digestion, metabolism, elimination, sensory experience, but also sleep-wake cycles, thoughts, feelings, emotions, and uh, habits, and even our imagination and and how we feel about our relationships and our connection to the universe, we can literally reinvent our body if we want to. So that's the body. Now, what about the mind? The mind is a process. So you say, where is the mind? And the answer is, the mind is embodied, which means it's in the body, including the brain, it's in all the cells of the body, not just in the brain. Every unit, people say, I have a gut feeling about such and such. Or my heart is heavy with sadness. Or I'm bursting with joy. Or I'm feeling energy. So where is your mind? It has no location. Because right now I'm speaking to you. My mind is interacting with your mind. So you say, where is Deepak's mind? Where is Russell's mind? Where is anyone's mind? 
it's not doesn't have a location. It's a process. And it's inseparable from what we call the body. So right now, we are all regulating, being regulated, and interacting with each other's minds. And if, you know, other people participate, and this conversation goes to millions of people, then everybody's brain will be affected just by this conversation, and their neural networks will start to change. The brain itself is created by genes, but it is sculpted by these conversations and experiences, including how we eat, breathe, move, digest, etc. So now we've got the mind and body clear. What is the spirit? The spirit is the source of both. So between every thought, there's a little space. You know, I'm, let's say I have a thought. When, when I hope this podcast goes well. That's first thought. Next, next the thought is, um, what am I going to have for dinner tonight? So what's in between those two thoughts, okay? Between every two thoughts, between every emotion, between every perception, between every feeling, between every sensation, between every image that we generate is a little space. Now, if I can access this space between my thoughts, this gap, that is the spirit. Now, in spiritual traditions, they call that the soul, and it's in the space between all thoughts. And if you can access it, you will find what actually your program is called about, limitless. There is infinite possibilities in that space. There's infinite correlation in that space. There's infinite creativity in that space. There's infinite inspiration, insight, imagination, vision, transcendence. When people access that space, they even lose the fear of death because that part of you is not in time. Your spirit is not in time. Now, once we understand this relationship, then you realize that all there is is what we normally refer to as the soul, but we refer to that now, these days, as consciousness, which is modifying itself into the activity we call mind, body, and everything that happens in the world. So by going to this space, and I've been a proponent of this now for 30 years, that through meditation, through mindfulness, through stillness, through self-awareness, you begin to realize that you're not the mind. The awareness of the mind is not the mind. And that's where the control room is, the spirit. So enough, I've said enough. Now, when you get access to that, I can answer Harry's question, you're automatically detached. Why? Because you've gotten to the source of all experience. Once you get to the source of experience, you can change any experience you want, including in the direction of peak performance, and peak living and all of that. So sorry for such a long uh, spiel, but I wanted to lay the basis of how we understand. If you knew that you had a billion dollars in the bank, you wouldn't worry, you know, every day about, uh, you know, how to spend your money. So your spirit is like that. It has infinite possibilities. When you access it, you don't worry about this result or that result. That's why you're detached, because guaranteed success is there from the source of all experience. You know, Deepak, you said something that I, I really connected with in terms of the ability to detach. And I think also to understand what our, what our mind is, what our body is, and this, this beautiful middle source in the middle, the spirit. I think what's interesting, and I've always firmly believed, is that the spiritual connection is the part that frees me, is the part that actually allows me to feel... Um, truly free 
with no reservation, to feel truly fully detached. Um, what do you think to the to the listener who's just learning this term and and everything else around attachment? What what do you think is the number one proponent of what blocks us from finding that f- true freedom, that true detachment through our spirit? So. Russell, it is what uh, cognitive scientists and also spiritual traditions call the conditioned mind. So as soon as a baby is born, it's given a name, first of all. Then it's given an identity. You're black, you're white, you're Caucasian. This is your religion. It's given given an economic status. It's sent to a certain school. It learns a certain language. And all of that happens through just association with your parents and your uh, and your uh, uh, siblings and whoever is surrounding you now if it turns out that your parents and the people in your environment particularly your caretakers are always complaining always condemning always playing the victim or always criticizing then the mind is conditioned the baby's mind is conditioned in limitations okay it only sees adversity If, on the other hand, the parents were laughing all the time, if the baby gets attention, which means deep listening, affection, deep caring, appreciation, oh, you know, you're so talented, I think you'll be a great basketball player or you'll get a scholarship to Duke or whatever— if there's this, these elements are there, that baby will grow up to have amazing self-esteem. And that baby will see opportunities where other people see limitations. And that baby is more likely to have self-esteem and not just self-image. There's a big difference between self-image and self-esteem. Self-image is what other people think of you. And it's totally dependent on every stranger on the street. One, somebody says, you're great, you feel great. Next person says, you're lousy, you feel lousy. In 24 hours, your mood swings all over the place. So if there are people in your environment, particularly when you're growing up, who see opportunities instead of adversity, who are positive, you will grow up to be a very successful person. But once you understand this process, you know, I've taken people through reflective self-inquiry, meditation, mindfulness, they switch what they call their brain set point. So the brain is always has a set point for happiness, joy, success, but it also has a set point for negativity. That's the only difference. 50% of our daily experience of joy or suffering or happiness just comes from our set point. 10% comes from conditions of living, and then the remaining 10% comes from the choices we make every day. So there's been a lot of research on this, how actually at the base of their mind, everyone, everyone has infinite potential. But some are lucky because they had good parenting. Deepak, you know, that's interesting because one of the questions I wanted to ask you about was negativity. People ask me, like, why is Russell different than his peers and competitors on the field? It's, it's that he's done such a fantastic job of managing the negativity around him, um, trying to eliminate it where, where he can, right? Which is challenging with all the things we have around us, social media, news, etc. But that's one thing Russell's been maniacal about is, is minimizing the negativity, and trying to be neutral, really, right, which is about behaviors and being in the present. Um, and for, fo- for folks that might be listening that, you know, how folks don't really consider themselves spiritual, right? How would you, how would you 
how, how does that idea of neutral thinking and in resonate with you and, and, and tell us a little bit about the power of negativity on us? Okay, so f- that's brilliant. The being neutral is brilliant. But I'd like to see um, ask Russell first, and then I'll comment. Russell, uh, how, do you, how do you manage negativity, or how do, you, how do you channel what is called negativity into positive outcomes? What's your process? And I think, first of all, um, as Harry mentioned, you know, I'm a positive person by nature, but what I do know works 100% of the time is negativity. So this concept Harry's been talking about around neutral thinking is something that I've committed to over the years. And Trevor, Harry, myself, um, we've built a whole business, DJ, we built a whole business called Limitless Minds around this concept around neutral thinking. The reality is, is this, if I'm a great free throw shooter, I'm a 94% free throw shooter and I miss one and the game's on the line, what am I? I'm still a great free throw shooter. That's what I am. And so I think a lot of times what happens is, is that in that one moment of time where something doesn't go your way or something doesn't, isn't the best or something's challenging, there's adversity in front of us. The re- reality is that we all of a sudden become negative because we start giving ourselves these negative thoughts. We start telling ourselves we suck. I'm not good at this. I'm not good at that. Ah, man, why did I miss that? And you start asking questions why, why I did this, why I did that. And you start telling yourself, I am this, I am that, but tell yourself the truth. You know, I think that the reality is, is that we all need to get better. We all, we all have room to grow. And, and, but the, the other thing too is, is that, you know, for me, me personally, when I'm playing, playing the game and I, I try to tell myself, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. Like, and then the next thing I know, as I continue to tell myself that I'm here, my confidence continues to go up that much more. It went from, I'm here, like, I'm actually here. Like I'm, I'm my, literally my feet are on the ground. I'm in this stadium. I'm in this location. And then next thing you know, I tell myself I'm here again. Like, you know what? Like, you know what? God chose me to be right here today. It's going to be a great day. And then as I keep going, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. Like that last I'm here lets me know that, that, that detachment, that freedom to go play and do everything that I want to do, that neutral thought. It's, it's, I'm not, I'm not anywhere in the future. I'm not anywhere in the past. I'm right here right now. I'm in the present. And I think that's a key part to me. I think the other part to it too, Deepak, is that this, listen, the one thing that I can control is what? I can control my language. Language is everything. What do we say to ourselves? And so I'm very conscientious of what I say, how I say it, and, and when I say it, and when I don't say it. And a lot of the things, sometimes I just don't say. <laughs> There's some things you just don't say. If you're in a relationship, you, you just don't say that. You know, it's like, don't say that one. Okay. If, if you're, if you're playing, if you're playing the game and the games were down by six and there's, you know, 52 seconds to go in the game, like, I could choose like, ah, oh, man, why, oh, we got, man, shoot, this is going to be hard. We got, we got 92 yards to go. I, I don't know, man, like, this could take a miracle. <laughs> or it's like, hey, I've done this before. We're going to do it again. And just that shift of language is everything. That's what neutral thinking is. So listening to both of you, what you're doing is a perfectly excellent spiritual strategy. And it's called witnessing. So witnessing means you're observing but there is no judgment. There is no label. There is no uh, description. There is no. Um, there is no. Uh, is it good or is it bad? And if that thought comes, the more you realize that every thought is a choice. Number one. Number two, you don't force 
positive thoughts. You reflect and you say, what am I capable of? And you just also said, you know, you've done so many great things. You remember those moments. I'm sure when you have experienced those moments in peak performance, even though the crowd is making a lot of noise, you don't hear a noise. You feel stillness inside you, even though your body is moving very fast. You are you're intuitively at the place you want to be before even the ball arrives there. You are doing everything in perfect synchronization with your teammates, but you're not thinking about it. And if there's noise, you don't hear it. And sometimes you even see everything in slow motion. That's a religious experience. That's a spiritual experience. That's called transcendence. Every athlete has had it in that moment of joy and that moment where they lose their personal identity. It's like something has taken over and you're just in what we call flow. And the elements of flow are just those. No resistance, no regrets, no anticipation, just this moment, no thought even, and no even identity of self. You're just part of the whole process. Now, great athletes have this somehow your spirit will take over and it will organize the outcome for you. So what you're practicing right now, what you call neutral thinking, is called witnessing awareness where there is no judgment, no labels, and total freedom of being in the moment and total joy. So, Russ, when, so when Deepak's talking about flow, right, you know, it's in the zone, you know, being in the zone or whatever it is, if you're, like you said, a shooter like Steph Curry or doesn't really matter what your craft is. I know that you've been in that flow state of that, that zone. What does that feel like? And then what do you do, like, what do you do once you're there to keep it? How it feels, you, you feel nothing. There you are. You feel nothing. Uh, you know, who somebody throws a ball, it's, the ball just comes off right. And before you even, before the ball is even fully released, you, you, you know. Um, I think the only way to get to t- true freedom, though, is practice. Because what happens is if we're never training our mind, if we're not actively seeking and then knowing, am I in a zone? When am I in a zone? When am I out of it? Like, and then the true essence of, of somebody who's great is knowing when I'm out of it, how quickly and smoothly and swiftly can I get back into it? And I think that's the magic of, 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 of the spirit. That's the magic of what we're talking about is the ability to get back into in and out of flow state. And, and actually the ones who are really great at it, I try to practice this all the time, but I try to actually create chaos so that way in, in my practice time that, okay, I look forward to the obstacle. I look forward to the, to the adversity. I don't fear it. I don't run from it because I know as the game's going on, when it's hard for everyone else, it's going to become natural and easy for me because I've practiced, because I've worked at it, because I've, I've thought of that. And, and I think that's the part of neutral thinking that I, I, don't, I don't get too high. I don't get too low. It, it, it does feel like nothing. And I think that's the essence of, of trying to be uh, one of the world's best at anything. And, and we all have that power. No matter where we are in, in our spaces and, and our age, and no matter what our chronological age tells us, right? We all have the, the fine-tuning ability to be right where we are, to be present, to be neutral, to be right in the midst of exactly where we want to be. That neutral thinking is really key. And I think that's how you'll find being, quote-unquote, in the flow more often in your life. 
What you said is so beautiful because you see that nothingness is what your body is actually made of. Your body is the spirit made into flesh. So the spirit is made of nothing. It's it's only modifying itself into everything. And when you are in that presence, that's what you feel, presence. Presence and spirit are the same thing. That's what allows you to be neutral, detached, and stay in that experience because it's the most ecstatic experience. Other people can see that your body has a form, but you don't experience even your body as a form. So that is really the essence of presence, which is peak experiences. I was going to talk about this other concept that you talk about too, Deepak. I, I was, as you know, obviously we got to meet and we've, I've gotten to work with, just for everybody, all of our listeners, I've, gotten, I've had the fortunate situation of being able to work with Deepak over the past year or two, um, even, you know, getting ready for my games and my thought process and the challenges I have um, and, and just finding myself every time. You know, Deepak, one of the things you talk about is our daily routines and how routine is such a critical thing. So Deepak, my, my question is for you, you know, you talk about obviously this concept, um, you know, it's called the, the three S's of Dharma. You, I think you describe Dharma as your purpose, right? And can you elaborate more on Dharma, especially, you know, when it comes to establishing a daily, a daily practice, a daily routine? What, what, what is that? So Dharma is this concept that life has meaning and purpose. That if I had all the money in the world and all the time in the world, how would I express my unique strengths and talents and who would benefit? That's the question you ask. If I had all the money, all the time in the world, how would I express my unique strengths and talents and who would benefit? If you can answer that question, then you're in dharma and then you don't have to worry about abundance. You know, when Joseph Campbell used the word follow your bliss, um, what people, you know, asked, what does he mean, follow your bliss? You know, how do I follow my bliss? Well, you follow your bliss by following your dharma. If you follow this, what gives me meaning, purpose, and significance in life, what makes me grateful for who I am as a unique being, and how can I use those talents and abilities and those strengths, not only to give happiness and joy to myself, but everybody else, then you're in dharma. You're going to have access to abundance. You're going to be grateful, and you're never going, you're following your bliss. That is dharma. Now, as far as daily routine is concerned, you know, having worked a long time in the health and mind-body field as a physician, I would like to inform people that less than 5% of genetic mutations guarantee illness, less than 5%. Everything else that human beings experience, even the genetic mutations, are actually influenced what by what we do in a 24-hour period. And these include sleep, number one, stress management, number two, mind-body coordination, number three, exercise, number four, emotions and relationships, number five, biological rhythms, whether we are connected to the cycles of nature, number six, and uh, finally, uh, what we put in our uh, body as food, because now we know that 99.9% of the genetic information in our body is not human, it's bacterial. So your parents gave you 25,000 genes, but you have 2 million genes extra, which are bacterial. 
Knowing this, we can change the 99.9% of the genetic information in our body. And the 1% or less that is human, we can upgrade it through lifestyle, the things you're talking, including good sleep, healthy relationships, exercise, mind-body coordination. Well, well, Deepak, you know, um, for a lot of listeners that are, you know, we talked about athletes, you know, a lot of these, a lot of listeners are corporate athletes, you know, they're, they're on that weekly grind Monday through Friday, maybe, maybe more 60 hours a week, 40 hours a week. There's first responders, there's folks in high pressure jobs, like, you know, lawyers, doctors, et cetera, parents. Uh, I think one thing we all have in common is pressure. And so for, for those that are listening that maybe haven't explored meditation, um, you know, how, how can you, how can the everyday person engage and stay engaged in, in meditation? Maybe even, I know you like to, like it's smart to define things before you explain it. Maybe you want to define with us what meditation is and then how, 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 how each of us can get engaged. Okay. So meditation is going beyond the normal thinking process. So if I asked you right now, close your eyes and do nothing, you would suddenly realize that you're talking to yourself. Anybody, close their eyes, do nothing. They're talking to themselves. And what what are they talking to themselves uh, about? They're either the past or the future. You know, they're remembering things or they're imagining what they want in the future. So actually, at a very deep level, every thought is either a memory or a desire. There are no other kinds of thoughts. So in Eastern wisdom traditions, they call the interpretation of past experience karma. Karma is past experience that determines your present thinking, negative or positive. And of course, we all have had bad and good experiences. So if you close your eyes, you'll see this internal dialogue bouncing from good experiences to bad experiences. Meditation allows you to go a little deeper so you're independent of this conversation. And meditation involves many things. It involves something called mindfulness or presence of body, presence or awareness of mind, awareness of breath, but it also involves reflection. It also involves what we call transcendence. And actually, instead of me talking about it, I, I can take you guys through a very short meditation that will give uh, everyone an idea of how it works. Fantastic. So wherever you are, whoever you are, sit comfortably in a chair, plant your feet firmly in the ground, keep your hands comfortably in your lap with your fingers pointing upwards in a receptive mode and keep your back relatively erect and um, and just observe your breath. Okay, don't try to manipulate it. Just observe your breath. And recognize that breathing is spontaneous. You don't have to do anything and everything that's happening in your body is similarly spontaneous. You don't have to do anything. Don't hold on to your breath. If you hold on to it, you will suffocate. And that's true of any experience. If you hold on to it, you'll suffocate. So just observe your breath. Now bring your awareness to your heart. Mentally ask yourself, who am I? A couple of times. Don't try to answer the question. See what comes up. Now ask the question, what do I want? What is my deepest desire? Once again, see what comes up. Sensation, image, feeling, thought. What do I want? What's my deepest desire? 
Now, third question. What is my calling? What is my purpose? Again, don't try to answer it. See what comes up. Every time you ask the question, something will come up spontaneously. And that's the right answer for now. What is my calling at this time? What is my purpose? What is my dharma? How do I follow my bliss? And now, final question. What am I grateful for? Just that question opened the door to opportunity and abundance. What am I grateful for? Observing any sensation, any image, any feeling, any thought. Okay, now let it all go and mentally repeat your full name to yourself. I'm Harry Wilson. I'm Deepak Chopra. I'm John Doe. Kevin Russell. I'm Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson. <laughs> what did I say? Kevin Russell. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Russell Wilson. Okay. So I did it for a purpose because that's not who you are. That's your name. Okay. So repeat your name a couple of times and now drop your name and just say, I am. With no name, no form, no memory attached to it. I am. I am. Mentally, I am. I am is our common identity. Doesn't matter if you're Russell Wilson, Harry, Harry Wilson, Deepak Chopra, John Doe. I am is our spiritual identity. So repeat that as a mantra. Now let it go. And just be aware of your own presence. Be aware of that still presence, which we call awareness. Be aware of yourself, your presence. This is who we are. This is our spirit. When you rest here in spirit, you open the door to infinite possibilities. So now before you open your eyes, I'll plant four intentions. Feel your body from the inside out. And the first intention, joyful, energetic body. Just mentally plant that in your body. Now bring your awareness to your heart in the middle of your chest. Another intention, loving, compassionate heart. Bring your awareness to your third eye between your eyebrows and the intention, clear, quiet mind. Quiet, reflective mind. And finally, let your awareness move outside your body, pervade all of space and time. And the intention, lightness, of being, lightness of spirit, lighter than the wind. Now you can bring your awareness back into your body. You can move, stretch, open your eyes. And then wherever you go, carry that presence. Be lighter than the wind. <laughs> yeah, I like that a lot. I, you know, we've done that uh, several times, Deepak, you and I, and uh, gives us tremendous perspective to really transcend into that into that neutral place, that, that, that place of stillness. So 
um, you know, just absolutely love that. So, you know, the, the thing that I was, you know, I've been fascinated by too, and, and, and people like you obviously understand this as we kind of close up here, is I think one of the things too that can really uh, hinder your mind um, from becoming neutral, you hinder, hinder your spirit, your body, and, and, and also, you know, block you from your true destiny, I think is also, you know, who we surround ourselves with, you know, I think that because a lot of times when we surround ourselves around people who are naturally negative, people who don't have the right language, people who don't think about how to think, um, you know, it's, it's a really, it's a really, it's, it's an anchor. And so I think what's really important for us is it's that make sure that we sur- surround ourselves and really support and uplift one another. Um, you know, many times it's, uh, it's, it's the difference between, you know, uh, you know, the positive versus negative influences. And I think that's a critical part to it all. And, you know, if we, if we, if we surround ourselves around like-minded people, you know, the odds of, of what we want, the things that we desire, the things that we truly, truly want to become, I think those things start coming to life. I think those things that we, that we, when we close our eyes at night and, and we do rest and we do, you know, pray or meditate or whatever it may be that people do. It's the reality is, is that that's when next thing you know, we wake up the next morning and it's a new day. It's a new beginning. It's a new start. So Russell, you're a natural, uh, but you're also a natural leader. And uh, Harry was earlier uh, speaking about corporate uh, athletes and corporate leadership. And when you look at corporate leadership and corporate athletes, um, they actually the best ones mirror a good sports team, where there's shared vision, where there is emotional and spiritual bonding, that they care for each other, and where everybody complements each other's strengths. That's a great winning team. You know, the difference between the team that wins and the team that loses is not physical. They're almost as good, always. It's just those elements. Who's in the team? Do they care for each other? Do they support each other? Are they there for each other? And do they share the same values? And so, you know, social scientists are also saying that you can solve any problem if you have maximum diversity, shared vision, and everybody is taking care of each other. Everybody shares their imagination, and there's transparency and open systems, and that's a winning team. Deepak, thank you for the, all the wisdom, all the fun. You know, you know, Deepak. You know, just to give you a little side note here, you know, my brother and I we used to play in the backyard all the time. We used to always argue back and forth. We used to always get after it. But now we get to do life together, so this is cool to be able to do it with you as well. I love it. I love it. And by the way, who the heck is Kevin Russell? I don't know who that is. Yeah, why? Why that name came up out of the blue? <laughs> Sometime later today, Kevin Russell will pop in your head. Kevin Russell's gonna. Kevin Russell's gonna need this podcast too. Deepak, we appreciate you joining us today, man. What a great opportunity to talk to you and, and have our listeners here from one of the best in your space. And so we just thank you. We appreciate you. We're super grateful. Talk to you soon. Yeah.